we now want to go to another very important section, Bible reading. And today we are reading from Malachi chapter 1, from verse 1 to 11. A prophecy, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you asked, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. And I have turned his hill country into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Edom may say, though we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will see it with your own eyes and say, great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due to me? If I am a master, where is the respect due to me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or deceased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty. And I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations, from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. Amen. Now let us invite our lead pastor, who will be ministering the word to us. Karibu sana, Reverend Kasim Abednego. Amen, amen. Let us clap for our late pastor. Thank you very much. Let us pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we commit you as servant, your minister before you. Father, we know as he comes this morning, he comes anointed, he comes laden with your oil and with fresh fire from heaven. Father, we pray for utterance, we pray for coherence, O oh God. We pray for your anointing in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, Above all, we pray that this word, this very heavy word is teaching us this morning. May it transform our lives, O oh yes, God. Lord. May it move us to action in the mighty name of Jesus. Yes. Let us not only be hearers of the word, but let us be doers of the word. Yes. In the name of Jesus, we pray and believe. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you very much. Good morning, church. And I thank God that uh, you are able to tune in. You're able to tune in and uh, walk with us throughout uh, this uh, message. Uh, what a wonderful morning God has given us that we will be blessed even as we share from his table. Um, We're looking at uh, Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 up to 11, and the title of today's sermon is Living in True Hope. Thank you very much that you have found time to walk with us. This is a very dark, uh, to many people, this is a very dull book, Malachi. Not a very 
uh, lively book uh, to many people, but it's a very interesting book. Um, after this, we'll be taking you in these services, we'll be taking you through the book of uh, Hebrews, very detailed study of the book of Hebrews, very sweet series of sermons, never miss any single service, you know, walking with us on a Sunday. So look at the world situation today, dear listener. The richer becoming richer, and the poor becoming even poorer. People turning away from the true God and seeking other powers in devil worship, seeking power in sorcery and special oils that are sold everywhere, etc., etc. The true God seems to be forgotten and replaced with the God of the church and the God of the powerful apostles, the God of the super-anointed pastors. What is God feeling now? What is he feeling now? Because he actually feels. Because we know that Jesus wept. The Bible tells us. So God feels. What is he feeling in heaven? A few questions for you this morning, dear listener. Do you think human beings alive today are God-fearing anymore? What picture of God's facial expression would you draw if you were a cartoonist? Like imagining the facial expressions God would be having if you are asked to draw. How would you draw that expression at a time like now? Such was the situation of Israelites when Prophet Malachi wrote this book. It's a very interesting book to read actually and understand. Malachi marked the beginning, the beginning of God's 400 years of silence, broken only when John cries, Behold, the Lamb of God, in John chapter 1, verse 29. After this, whatever God is saying in Malachi, this is the last of the human prophets. After that, God went silent for 400 years until one day, John the Baptist prophesied, Behold, the Lamb of God. So it's very important what we hear, the mood of God, even as he talks to us. The mood, his heart, his spirit. Malachi bears the same relation to Nehemiah that Haggai and Zechariah bear to Zerubbabel. He lived either at the time of Nehemiah or directly after with the, um, uh, on his second visit to Jerusalem. And he was rebuking the very same sins among the people that Nehemiah dealt with while he was in Jerusalem. And these things that Nehemiah and Malachi is addressing are these things. They include the corruption of the priesthood. They also, he's also addressing the alliance with idolatrous wives. He's addressing the neglect of the tithe, or rather, robbing God. And this is very important. The Israelites have actually returned from the Babylonian exile. Jerusalem had been rebuilt and the temple restored. But the people had not learned their lessons from the exile. They had grown skeptical of God's love. They had become careless in their worship. They, were, they had become indifferent to the truth. They were becoming disobedient to the covenant and they were faithless in their marriages. In fact, they were becoming stingy in their givings. They had forgotten all the goodies they had received. They had forgotten all the tears 
they had made, they had poured while they were in Babylon. They have been restored by God, but what they have done is to forget him. They have forgotten him completely. They have become indifferent. They have become complacent. Actually, um, the writer of Hebrews tells us about them. He remembers them. And woe unto us, my brothers and sisters, if we shall be likened to the people of Israel, as the, 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 the writer of Hebrews says. Remember Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 to, to 16. This is what these verses say. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. While the Israelites were forgetting, there were some few remnants there who knew that this was not their home. They were not, they were not indifferent. They were separated, but most of the Israelites were not like that. To this carnal and rebellious people, God sent his messenger. Actually, Malachi means God's messenger. And the first message he put on his lips was, I have loved you, says the Lord. And as John Piper puts it, the great temptation for Israel in the Old Testament and for the church of Christ today is to forget that we are pilgrims, not natives in this world. The temptation is to let the Lord's delay make us settle in the world and become passive as we wait. To forget that we are aliens and exiles, sojourners, strangers on the earth, seeking another homeland, desiring and yet yearning for a greater country, for a better day, for a better city in heaven. No more crying in the city. No more tears in the city where we are going. Only singing about his glory. Brothers live a holy life. Sisters live a holy life. That went like the song that used to be in the older days. And in this dialogue between God and Israel through Malachi, at the end of chapter 2, Israel is heard actually complaining to God because sin always provides an excuse. So this was an excuse to continue in sin. So Israel was complaining to God that, God, you are not punishing the wicked. And you have been seeing that in the book of uh, Habakkuk. Complaints also in Nahum, complain in Jonah. God, you don't seem to be punishing the evil. You don't seem to be punishing because in chapter 3, we got, oh God, and then God answers actually by saying, don't worry. I will finish this through my own messenger. And he will be the messenger of a new covenant of love and grace. The covenant will be a covenant of righteousness. Isn't this what we all go through? That sometimes we see the, 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 the evil continue to flourish. The corrupt continue to become richer everywhere. They are becoming richer. Tall buildings becoming richer and driving better vehicles. And leaving the righteous sometimes walking on foot. 
And sometimes the righteous, sometimes those who believe in God, sometimes you just say, God, you are not punishing evil. And this is why I've turned back to sin. This is why I'm backsliding. Because you don't seem to punish evil. Because those who are slaying there, they seem to be doing better than us. Those who are sinning there, they seem to be doing better than us. That was the complaint. But God answers and says, I have an answer. I will finish this when I send my messenger. The biggest discussion from here and ends for this about the coming of the messenger, the Lord Jesus Christ, and who shall stand when he comes. Malachi prophesied about John the Baptist who would prepare a way. He saw Jesus coming to deal with the sinfulness of sin at Calvary, and that was consoling, that was very consoling that Christ would come to deal with sin. Remember, he is not necessarily dealing with the people, but he's coming to deal with the sin. Because sin is very huge. Sin is very powerful. Sin is very enslaving. It enslaves you. It makes you a fool. It embarrasses you. With time, you become embarrassed. You once were honored. Finally, you become embarrassed. So Jesus is coming to deal with it. In fact, let us say, he's actually talking about on Calvary, it is very consoling because it brings a new hope for the true salvation. Because there is a blood that can tr bring true cleansing. So let us simplify the message or the desire of God's appeal to, uh, for, for Israel through Malachi. Three things that I can summarize for you. First, God desires true love. He says, I have true love. True love is only found in God. Number two, he desires true worship. And number three, he desires true greatness. So he wanted them to know about true love. He wanted them to know about true worship. He wanted them to know about true greatness in this first portion of the scriptures in uh, chapter three. In fact, God, uh, Malachi used a, a question and answer method. There being no fewer than three questions in the book of Malachi, especially chapter 1, verse 2, gives us the pattern. God declared, I have loved you. Then Israel rejects that love. And he says, how have you loved us? But God justifies this um, declaration by saying, was not Ezo Jacob's brother? Declares the Lord, yet I loved Jacob. God does not know how to hate he did not hate Ezo. He just hated the disobedience of the Edomites. He is talking about the Israelites and the Edomites. Israelites come from Jacob, so he loved Israelites. He loves the church. He loves God-fearing people. He loves the lovers of righteousness, but he hates disobedience. God hates disobedience. God hated the disobedience of Edomites. So after a while, you know, because God would go for about four years silent because the method of prophets did not work well. He sent messages all through to warn the behaviors of Edomites, but it did not work. So he's about to go for 400 years, no word from the Lord. No prophet will be raised. But the messenger will come. After a while, he will still come to this sinful beloved and true and try a love discussion again through a messenger who is the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows how sinful they are. They have forgotten him. But he will still come back to them. 
to have to engage in a love discussion. And the messenger comes as a laundry, the blood, and as a purifier, the fire of the Holy Spirit. But this coming as a judgment, a force, which with it, eh? Malachi 3 uh, verse 1 spoke of two messengers to come. One to prepare the way for the, of the Lord and one to be the messenger of the covenant. So the coming that must be endured, he says, who will endure that coming? It is about actually the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So there are two here. The first messenger the second messenger. The first coming, the second coming. The first messenger seems to be John the Baptist preparing a way for the, for the second messenger who is the Lord Jesus Christ. But also coming to the coming, the first coming is the Lord Jesus Christ being born to be a messenger of a new covenant of grace so that he can pronounce grace. He can talk about forgiveness. He can talk about restoration that although God is annoyed with our sinfulness, there is still another chance. But then after that, there shall be another coming when he shall come as a judge. And that day, the dreadful day of the Lord is to be feared. Because of his true love, he comes first to purify and make you worthy to stand his second coming. Who shall stand the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he is so holy, when he is so pure, when he is so righteous, who shall stand the second coming of this messenger? Which bishop, which pastor, which prophet shall stand with our evil thoughts, with our mouths, with the evil deeds? Which Christian, which deacon, which elder in a church shall stand unless you get into the message of purification. And, 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 I, and I hear these uh, verses, for example, he is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. The coming of the second Messiah will be awesome and terrible, but purposeful. Both the launderer and the refiner work to clean, not to destroy. He will sit as a refiner and as a purifier of silver. Baldwin uh, once said, and I quote, the beauty of this image is that the refiner looks into the open pot and knows the process of purifying is complete. And the dross all burns away when he can see the image plainly reflected in the molten metal. Therefore, those who seek the Lord, this is very important, those who seek the Lord, at this time must understand what it all means. And this is what it means, my dear believer. You are seeking a fire which will test you and consume much which has been dear to you. It might consume all that you've gone to the university to do. That you went to do engineering to become a great aeronautic engineer. He might have to change. He might have to consume that. All this that you invested, invested in, you, in your beauty, he might have to change all that. You are coming to be consumed. It might be consumed. We are not to expect Christ to come and save us in our sins. He will come and save us from our sins. Therefore, if you are enabled to take by faith this, this Savior, remember that you take him as the purger, as the purifier, for it is from sin that he will save you. When you come to the Lord, you're not just coming to stay. You are coming to a purger. You are coming to a purifier. You are coming to a, to a factory. You are becoming work in progress because this is what Malachi is saying. 
But there is this idea of sitting posture, which shows that the refiner may, be, may seem indifferent, but he's actually not. He is carefully working with the silver, burning off and scrapping away the dross that the flames bring to the, to the top. I think, I see in the sitting down of the refiner, a very settled patient savior who seems to say, this is stem work and I will sit down to it for I will need, it will need care and time and constant watchfulness. This is what Charles Spurgeon says. Therefore, Jesus will never delegate his noble duty of cleansing to angels. He will do it himself. He will come. Because the captain of the believer's salvation is coming. He will be born in Bethlehem. He will not fear the sinfulness of earth. He will not even fear the order of the cow dung in Bethlehem. There is no room. There is rejection. There is a lot of despisement. But he will not fear. He is courageous. He will face it on. And he will persevere to the, to the, to the end. Because he's a true lover. And therefore... True love is found only in Jesus Christ. Nobody else can give his life like Christ. He was telling the Israelites, I am a true lover. So he's concerned about true love. And you too, if you ever love, show true love. No fake love. Those who come to the Lord, he refines them. They become true lovers, wonderful lovers. If you are just in the fire now, my dear one, this is what Maya says, be of good cheer. It shows that at least you are a silver and you are capable of performing more acceptable service in God's holy temple. Don't worry, you are silver. This is why you must be refined. Whatever you are going through fire, it is because you are valuable. You are silver. The refiner is refining you. The fire of the Holy Spirit is refining you. One of the days you will be told, welcome my child. He will purify even the priests who had uh, done all kinds of evil things. That's why he says he will purify the sons of the Levi. Pastors and the preachers, we have done all sorts of things. Sometimes we no longer command the respect we used to command because of sinfulness, lust of the flesh, lust of money. Whatever we have done, even the pastors, even the preachers, even the preachers and evangelists, God has a place for them also. He has a place for the ordinary person. He has a place even for the men of the cloth because he would purify the sons of the Levi. And he will be a swift witness against the sorcerers. So this is our true lover, courageous and committed. This is what Malachi seems to say. And he loved true worship. He talks about people who robbed him from verse 6 to 9. God wants repentance. He wants us to repent and to connect with the fire and the soap. He never changes. His love never changes. He says, I am God. I never change. My love for you, Israel, never changes. Even if I go silent, I will still come back to you. He never changes. Even the once purified person who backslid, he never changes. His promise for you never changes. Israel broke the covenant by withholding their tithes. They stopped worshiping God with their whole. Repent and return to true worship. You are cast with a cast. This is what the Bible says. For you have robbed me. You are of a new name called a thief. I am addressing thieves because Malachi seemed to address us. Thieves who, who robbed God. We robbed God through our giving. We robbed God in our bodies, the bodies that we gave to him. We have already given it to sinfulness. And our souls have been given to sinfulness. We have become thieves. We might call ourselves brothers and sisters. But probably now our new name is thieves. God says, then you are cast with a curse. 
for you have robbed me. Your new name is a thief for you have robbed me. True worship involves your heart. It involves your money. It involves your career, your family, your whole. When he was talking about bring your whole tithe, he was not talking about wallets. He was not talking about just wallets. These are physical. He was talking about the true self, the true soul, the true body, the true wealth. So that there may be found food in my house. So that the priests don't go hungry, they don't have to go begging, and the name of the Lord is ashamed. If you rob God, if you don't give to God, then the pastors, then the, the priests shall go begging. When they beg, God shall be ashamed, the name of the Lord. And you will be held responsible. They were required to be genuinely bringing to the house of the Lord, so that the Lord may not be ashamed. Because if you ashamed the Lord, what shall happen to you? And therefore, God now talks about verse 11, the true greatness, that my name is great. God would not allow his great name to be dishonored. That is the marching order for the church, for Israelites, to ensure that his name is honored. His name is not dishonored. He talks about the devourer, the locust, not Satan. Some people misunderstand this. The devourer is not Satan. The one who comes to take away is not Satan. It is actually the locust. Malachi was talking about the locusts. But then when we come to the spiritual world, then that locust is Satan. And it is God to deal with the Satan. Actually, he says, I am coming for that one. Now, this is a very important thing. God would, only give, would not only give a fruitful season to those who repent so that the crops sprang up well, but would guard them from everything that could injure them before they were gathered. I will give a charge unto consumption for you of your good. God is great in guarding us. God is great in rebuking Satan. We have no permission for your, for your information. We have no permission to rebuke Satan. Please. Satan knows how to, to, to confuse us. He gives us ignorance and foolishness so that we make the, the wrong prayer so that this prayer has no effect when we pray. Malachi is saying, God himself shall rebuke Satan. Not human beings. We cannot rebuke. We have no permission to rebuke Satan. What we have is permission to resist him. We resist Satan. We resist, we come against him. We resist him in our, you know, uh, his, 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 his plans. We come against him. We come against his plans. We come against his vials. We come against him as we come closer to God in our righteousness, in our desire for godly righteousness. We don't rebuke Satan. Satan is another caliber, is another spiritual being at another level, but we do not. That one is God who deals with him. He will deal with Satan. Only, what, all what we can do is to resist. We were told to resist the devil and he will flee. We resist him in the name of Jesus Christ. We can resist his grip over us in the name of Jesus Christ. We can resist his maneuvers. We can command him in the name of Jesus Christ to desist from his plans. We can command him to, re to release us in the name of Jesus Christ, but we cannot tell him we rebuke you. Because God 
would rebuke him. Why do we not do that? Because we have a great God. What is his work? He is great at rebuking Satan. He will arrest Satan. He is a great arrester. Satan will give us that ignorance, but Jesus will actually fight for us. Therefore, live in this greatness. It gives true hope. And as we come to a conclusion, dear believer, live in this hope of an everlasting soap of Calvary. The perfect purifying power and the grace of the Lord and the celebrating God's grace and greatness, this will give you true hope. All other ground is sinking sand. And even as the music team join us here to sing about my beautifier, this is the true gospel. This is what Malachi is saying. That God is true love. And those who come to this true love worship him in the truth. So they employ true worship. True worship even as they surrender their whole lives. They leave nothing they give to God. They also surrender their wealth and their everything. But when we come to him when we are weak, we know that he purifies us. He purifies us. He forgets about everything. The sins of yesterday. The corrupt, the corrupt man of yesterday that you know about me. All the sinfulness of yesterday. You fail to believe that I have been cleansed. But Abednego has been cleansed. I have been set free. I have a purifier. You too have a purifier. He doesn't, he doesn't even remember yesterday. He purifies. Therefore, if you can, lift up your hands. Even as I say a final prayer to you, I know the Lord shall make a way for you. I know surely goodness and mercy of the Lord shall follow you. And that you shall dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of your, li of your life. May the Lord preserve you. May he bless you. May he keep you. May he uh, protect you from the pestilence and the snares of Satan that come at night, even daytime. May the Lord give you victory. May the Lord give you a testimony. May the Lord give you the grace to withstand. May the Lord give you the grace if you have to, to pass through the refining of the silver. May the Lord show you his face. May he show his face and countenance upon you on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. May the Lord shine before you in the name of God who is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And even now as you dwell there, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. It is well with you. God bless you.